Welcome to Peak True Crime, a podcast telling of dark tales and dastardly deeds in Derbyshire and the Peak District. Fred the Head. When I started the podcast, I set myself two criteria by which I chose a case that I cover. Firstly, they had to be significantly linked to Derbyshire or the Peak District. Secondly, was that I'd only include cases that hadn't already been covered elsewhere that I thought had done a wonderful job on. Unless, well, unless I could think of a new way to tell them. This episode pushes the limits of that criteria. Firstly, and for the most observant, this take place in Burton-upon-Trent. OK, it's no distance at all from Derbyshire, but rules is rules. It's still in Staffordshire. Secondly, there's already an absolutely fantastic podcast that's, in real time, investigating the unsolved murder of an unknown man, the body of which was discovered in 1971. This month, March, marks the 52nd anniversary of that discovery and it's a fascinating and baffling case. At nearly 40 episodes and counting, Ken has done something incredible and I think unique in the world of UK true crime podcasting. He's investigating a cold case and making actual progress. He has assembled around him a community that's as committed to putting a name to the victim as they are identifying the perpetrator. I am a huge fan of Ken's podcast, Fred the Head, and I know, after listening to this interview and checking it out, you'll feel exactly the same as I do. The audio isn't great. We met in a pub in Derby, so there is a bit of background noise, and I am also an idiot when it comes to the practicalities of recording. So, well, that was a problem. Also, as it's the first of these interviews I've done, there's a little too many mmms and yeah for me. I really need to keep a lid on this active listening in future. Anyway, I start off by asking Ken how it all started. Most podcasts, most true crime podcasts, aren't uh, aren't about one case. They're about let's talk about again, and that's and they're very successful. Let's talk about this case, very interesting. Talk about the next case, very interesting. And people people like that because it's variety. Every time they, they tune into it, they're going to get a different story told by the same person. But a story. Whereas uh, my thought on this one was was never going to be that didn't ever want to do that I really wanted just to solve a murder that's that was it I want to solve a murder it was one of my I have a weird thing of it well, since I was 50 which is a few years ago now I've always had a couple of things I want to do every year that are not mm. work related completely completely random things just just take me out of the comfort zone 
so one was like first year was create a piece of art and sell it and buy a banjo and play it live so that kind of stuff that's going to take you completely in a completely different thing is either going to be success or failure but you've done it one of them about five years ago three years ago was or probably five years ago was solve a murder I thought that's a stupid idea but did you inhale crime novels procedurals on TV I'm not interested in your really I don't really get time now but I never have been so this was really just a, a kind of a loose thought at that point because I didn't know anything about Fred then and uh, the whole Fred thing was completely accidental completely accidental they were looking for him in any way uh, he kind of found me well that because you re- that being the kind of Pete Waterman of podcasting you wrote the podcast produced the podcast wrote the theme the tune Pete not Pete, Pete Waterman what's Pete. Dennis Waterman not Pete Waterman Dennis Waterman Pete is the old, the old yeah uh, I know the horror on your face because you're a musician yeah so the horror on your face has been calling you Pete Waterman no I love that idea because I'm always <laughs> a great producer so if, I'm, if, if I produce my Waterman. podcast as well as Pete Waterman produced Kylie Minogue I'm quite happy Dennis I meant but you know the idea that he found you oh no question because uh, and it all I'm, are we recording yeah uh, so can you are, you are you picking me up loud enough you yeah no it's up? fine I've got this all coming yeah. through now. Uh, so it all happened because we'd moved to this little place called Newton Solney uh, in about 2019 2018 2019 and you know I'm just interested in the history I'm a big history buff I'm really interested in history and, and uh, looking around for the history of the place you know what Newton's only through the ages and Repton through the ages and Windsor through the ages and going back to you know the Abbey days and going back into Vikings you know mm. the Vikings buried in Repton and then I came across this story about this body found uh, in 1971 and I thought well that's interesting uh, wow it's really close to where I live and it really was it was like I thought not even that 300 yards away and uh, so I was thinking, whoa, I wonder what happened there then. I wonder who did that. I wonder who it was and all that kind of stuff. And then I started looking further and there's no answers at all. So there's no, and then I find it five years ago, you know, something published in 2010, still looking for the identity of this bloke who got killed in Winsdale. And I realised that this is an unsolved murder. And not only is it an unsolved murder, it's one of the extremely rare cases in the UK where the both the perpetrator and the victim is still unknown. That's really rare, really rare. And I thought that's just manna from heaven, really. If I if I'm if I want to do something about that. So well, what what do I do though? Because I've never done this before. You know, I'm not a detective. What do I do? And uh, and again, certain fateful things happen. And the next fateful thing was I was telling people at work about it, this weird case and about this bloke who was found near where I live. Love to love to get into this, but you know, wouldn't know how. And in fact, it was in the office just down the road. And uh, I was talking to a lad that was working upstairs in a different office, and, and I said, "Oh, I was discovered by this guy called David Nathan in uh, in 1971." Oh, I know David. No, you don't. No, I do. I know David. Now, here's a bit of an exclusive for you. 
which no one's ever asked me how he knew David Mason. In fact, I, I, in fact, I can't wait. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I, I found David, and this lad gave me his number. So I didn't believe he knew him. And uh, he said, that, well, I've got his number. So he gave me his number. So I'm sitting there one Friday afternoon in probably 2020, 2000, end of 2019 maybe, before COVID, yeah. still in the office. And, and, uh, and a couple of people in the office saying, go on then, go on then, ring him. In fact, I think you're here on, on the, first, uh, the first podcast, Jesse, I was in, working in the office there. You know, don't mumble, don't mumble, just do it. <sighs> so I pick the phone up and, hello, David Nathan. And uh, it's not, you don't know me, my name's Ken Davis, but I'm just doing a bit of work on this case and just wanted to have a conversation. And he's really guard for that start. And so we would be, so, so I would be too. And uh, anyway, we kind of, you know, I could talk for him. So we kind of built up a bit of a rapport on the phone. I said, look, I'm, I'm not trying to do anything weird yet. I just want to know, would you mind if we had a conversation and I recorded it? And so that we said, yeah, fine. So, so was this was this to start with, or did you twist his arm after all? This is the first, the first call. First call. So I had an initial call with him on Friday, and then I rang him again on something like the Tuesday and said, look, uh, do you mind if we have a proper chat about this? And just so I don't get anything wrong, do you mind if I record it? And uh, he said, no, no, fine. I said, look, I'm not trying to trip anyone up I just want to know a bit more about it and at that point there was no thought of a podcast at all it was just for my I just wanted if I'm going to talk to this guy and probably no one will ever talk to him again uh, I want to get it I want to get a record of it and the best way of getting a record of it was to record it and I recorded it on the phone I didn't record it on Audacity or anything like that anything clever because I had no thought to doing it and uh, I hadn't entered my head at that point. So I, I recorded it on the phone. To be honest, the quality's not bad because it was on the phone. And so that, so he told me the story. And I mean, I can go into the story for you. Everyone kind of knows the story. Yeah, I guess, because I don't want you to give it all away. I, if I tell you what happens in episode one, I ain't giving it no. anything away. No, I mean, what's the kind of potted, your elevator pitch for the, the whole thing is where it is now. You know, it all starts in, in uh, March, Friday, March 26, 1971. Uh, David Nathan's going across in, across the river, because Fred's found on a, this little islandy bit, uh, and he's going up to shoot some pigeons and sees an upturned, what he thinks is an upturned saucer on the floor, and hits it with the, with the butt of his gun and realises that's a skull. <laughs> so now he... And now here comes the first weirdness of literally a million weird uh, story. He doesn't ring the police like most of us would, even though he's a special constable. Hmm. He knows the police, knows them well. He doesn't ring them. Uh, instead, he rings his mate, Gartham Gopsell, who owns the shop with him, who uh, is right next door to where the right next door to where the body's found. Because I always think if it was the other way around. And his mate found it. Mm. He might phone his mate and send the police. But for the guy that's in the police to phone. Well, I think Garth was a special constable as well. Oh, right, okay. Oh, I and, didn't know. And, uh, 
And so he and his mate says, hey, I've just found it. <laughs> Guess what? I've just found the skull. Now, I think maybe at that point they thought it was a thousand years old. Mm. You know, I don't know. They might have thought, oh, it might be a Viking king. Could, be, could have anything there, yeah. I don't know. And uh, anyway, he rings. He gets hold of Garth because Garth's not there where he normally works. He's at the school doing some shooting practice now. How he gets him on a Friday afternoon, I do not know. In fact, I need to find out more about that. So, so Garth comes over. They start digging the, they start digging the body up. You know, they're not. Well, the, before they contact him. Yeah, start digging it up. So, so you forget anything about even in nine seventy one. I don't think they were that bothered about no. the procedural stuff in terms of, uh, you know, the the scene of the crimes. But they start digging it up, and uh, between them, so they get spades and start digging the body. That means insane. Maybe they'd always sort of wanted to solve a murder. I yeah. think so. Uh, so they start digging it, and and they get down as far as the shoulders, so the head's exposed. And then they, according to when I first spoke to David, he said Garth kind of made, kind of opened the mouth of the, they opened the mouth of the skull, and they realised there was pinkness in there. Now I think they thought at the time it was his tongue or it was his, and it might have been his tongue or, or some kind of gums. I suspect it was the dental plate because mm. that obviously was pink, but that shocked him. Then of course, bloody hell, it's it's recent. It was no longer a lark then, was it? No, uh, I'm not sure it ever was. Really. I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot of questions to ask about what happened in the first hour before the police found out, which I still intend to ask. Um, so then they ring the police and say uh, we found the body. So the police go go there. Why? Which time? It's about an hour and a half, two hours after the first discovery of the body, mm. and everything's been disturbed, you know. Uh, but the police then get there. If by this time. Because it's, it's it's nearly the anniversary of it, isn't it? Yeah. Only a few few weeks away from that. Uh, this time it's about half past six, so it's getting dark. Mm. And they say, well, we can't do anything now, so they put a big kind of screen around it. Uh, constable has to stay there all night with it, and his torch uh, runs out of battery after about an hour, so he's got to sit with the dead body for in the dark for in night. the middle of the river trail. Yeah, so he's probably still in therapy for that. Uh, wish I could find him. That'd be an interesting conversation. Uh, and and the next day they dig him out and and realise what they've got. But at the time there's lots of very quickly there was rumours. I mean even that night, Friday night, I think there was rumours around Burton and, and the, f the initial rumours that it was a woman that had been found. Uh, I don't know why I thought that. Maybe the shape of the skull. I don't know. Uh, but next day it became clear it was a man and uh, he was taken away. One of weirdness, second weirdness in mm. the thousand, is it seems that the skull got detached from the body that Friday night. Uh, it sounds like that the, the, uh, the police scenes of crimes people uh, detached the head from the body. Which is a weird thing to do. Because you spoke to one of the the guy I who spoke to the guy who dug him out. Yeah, him in Australia. Yeah, yeah, the scenes of crimes officer, and he was very clear about that. He said, "Yeah, the head was taken away," uh, and he he said some very interesting things. But you know, it, it's he's buried upright. He wasn't buried like people are normally buried. Mm. If I was to bury a body, I'd dig a trench, like you know, like you do in a graveyard, yeah. roll them in, cover it up. That's, that's it but he wasn't buried that way 
he was very upright he was buried in fact in a kneeling position so that's weird now that could be simply because that was the easiest way of doing it because he was buried by two what they call kilns from his old his old workings and it, it might have been easy to dig a pit rather than dig a channel because there might have been lots of old uh foundations and things because you did that. there's a, a video a youtube video you did isn't there yeah and I think there's there's a bit towards there because it's quite it's quite difficult to visualise the site mm. and particularly these kilns that you talk about. Yeah, but you can good. see them in that, and it's a really yeah, it does help. And and it's uh, but it's a weird little place, you know. It, it's not the kind of place that anyone would find. You, you know, a stranger wouldn't find it. They wouldn't come across that site. You couldn't know it. Yeah. Uh, there's no question in my mind that whoever killed him knew that site like the back of their hand and very very few people knew that site i mean very few uh so that really means that you can and we don't know what happened to him because there's no wounds uh he's tied up he's tied up by the hands tied up by the legs and then those two things are tied together uh, and he's buried and he didn't bury himself so and he's stripped there's no mm. clothes apart from a pair of socks and, and, a, and a wedding ring on his right hand on his right hand but whoever buried him that was their comfort zone that was mm. their comfort area uh, and there's very very few people that you can really say that about actually is that because of the access you would have had to yeah. it two two things access primarily uh, access at that point was across a bridge which was locked and f four, five people had a key. Uh, that was one way. That was the obvious way because he was buried just at the other side of that bridge. Right. The other way is he can get there on land, but you have to go across one of the main bridges that crosses uh, the Trent to get into Burton and then take a very sharp right onto uh, a road called uh, Newton Road. And. Uh, and then drive for a mile, passing a million better places to bury him. Yeah. As you do it. So, yeah, that could happen. Could have been someone who knew that site and knew, get him in the back of a car, drive it all the way round, and we'll put him in there. Could have happened. Uh, but no one would have killed him 50 miles away who didn't know this area and found that as a place no. to dump him. Impossible. Impossible. So it's a it's a local murder. It's a local murder. You don't think he's a local man? No, I don't think he's a local man. There's probably four or five reasons to not think that. Firstly, he was never reported missing in the area. Secondly, they got his dental records, and his, and his dentistry was extensive. And they checked all the dental records of all the dentists around the area, and in fact, around the country in the end. And he didn't he didn't show up anywhere. Uh, I think, without, again without giving too much away, there were tests done much later, about five or six years ago, which indicated that Skull may have had a Central European origin. The ring on the right hand side, on the right hand wedding mm. ring finger, is how people wear wedding rings in some parts of Central and Eastern Europe. Now, it also may mean he was in a gay relationship, yep. we can't ignore that. Uh, but there's a lot of pointers that this is a guy that had no roots in this area. Uh, 
he may have been here for a very short period of time because the socks he was wearing could have been bought in Burton. They were available in Burton, that's all. The ring is an English ring. Mm -hmm. It was made in Birmingham, and we know very, very specifically when it was made and by who. So we know it wasn't made after, or sorry, before 1967. Right. In fact, the end of 67. So, and because we know how long he was in the ground for, which is about nine to 18 months, that gives us a very, very tight window, really, of when he was killed. Mm. He was killed somewhere between 1968 and 1970, and probably the, probably the back end of 68 and the first half of 1970. So it's essentially a two-year window. It might even be narrower than that. So, and there are no grieving relatives. There's no one missing him. No one, no uh, doctors reported anyone missing. No. No workplaces reported anyone missing. He probably wasn't from it, but he met his death in. Uh, we don't know why, and that's that's what it's all about. Because I, well, I mean, there's there's lots that I I really admire in it, and I think one of them is the a lot of talk about how well we're we're here to serve the victims and bring peace to the families, but there's very few people that do anything about it. Yeah, and there's even less people, and I think your podcast in a kind of British context is unique in you're actually making progress there's no question yeah well we, you know, we the police have given up on it you know they may say they haven't and, and it's a live case it is not a live case and and therefore uh we know that we're the only ones that ever going to solve it mm. and therefore we do try and track down everybody who's in the area wherever they may be in the world particularly in that very tight space around uh where he was found so for example uh, there's a lot in this podcast about a man called Frank Conn, yeah, who lived at the mill, who had access to that site, who, in September 1969, emigrated to Australia with his family. Uh, which, you know, you could say is a little bit suspicious. Yeah. And we managed to track down Frank's dad. Now we managed to track down, track down Zoe, his daughter, who, who was a character. She's probably the star of the podcast. Isn't I she? think. I think there is. I think. I was going to say there are lots of. The, one of the beauties of it is, it is like any good piece of storytelling, it's got these central characters who just emerge from yeah. the story. And I think Zoe's one of those. Zoe's clearly one of them. Belly is one of them. There's a few. And yeah, I mean, when the film is made of this, there'll be quite a few parts. Yeah. In it, you know, it's not just me trying to solve. There are lots of characters in this. And, as, have, have you ever just generally been approached to do anything more with it? Bits. But, uh, yeah, people saying we'd like to do a... Uh, you know, do a film, actually, about the investigation process and whatever. Uh, I've always pushed back on that. There's certain things I've always pushed back on on, mm. on the uh, podcast. Uh, that, uh, i.e., it takes all my spare time to to work on you know, Fred, and, and I think it will for a long time to come. And I don't have loads, and, and, and therefore, I'm kind of, if I got deflected into doing something else about Fred, not the podcast, I simply reduce the effectiveness of the podcast. I think the other thing is, uh, you know, we we you know advertising. You know, a lot of people have said to me, "Oh, because we get a lot of listeners." Yeah. Uh, well, this is your point to show off. How many listeners have you got? Well, it's in the top 2% of podcasts in the world. Right. 
So it's that number, hundreds of thousands, uh, which is crazy, isn't it? For just a little thing from. It is. It is. But it's not crazy when you listen to it. Once oh, you, once you. once you're there. You know, you're I'm there. glad you say that. But but it's uh, yeah, people do invest a lot of uh, a lot of thought in it. You know, I know that. And but yeah, a lot of people said to me, yeah, well, you advertise that, and uh, I. It's, there's no, there's a line in the sand now, and never do it. Uh, simply because well, I think it's, uh, I think it's detrimental to the podcast. I think if halfway through I was talking about double glazing, it wouldn't help. And and secondly, I think it's it's not in the spirit of what I'm trying to do in terms of trying to solve solve the case. You know, you know he was a real person, mm. deserves his name back. My my job in the next ten years is to do that. And having having advertising halfway through it is. It just doesn't feel particularly mm. kind of. Uh, no, I can understand. And that. I can understand why people do it. You know, because mm. I don't do it. To, it's not my job. It's, no, it's, it's my hobby. So uh, if it was my job, I might feel differently about it. I do do business podcasts. That's part of my job, and people do pay to advertise on them. It's a business podcast, but this one will never, never have that. I've always, I, and I always make it free, and none of it's pat, behind a, some kind of Patreon kind of uh, wall. Because, and I, th- I think that gives it more of a community feel because I think it is astonishing how involved people feel but not in a vicarious way. I think people are invested to the extent where they want to actually make a, some sort of meaningful... Because, for instance, there's a Facebook community now that you didn't set yeah, up. Yeah, it's not mine. Uh, but when I... So that's run by a lady called Kim McBeth and a guy called Neil DeVille. Great people. And, and you know, massively invested in their own right in... Hmm. in in the case and, and done a lot of work on it, particularly Kim, who does a lot of the images, uh, does all the images, you know, and they're amazing. The images that she yeah. creates are you know, amazing, and it really does help people uh, to visualise this was a real person. So hats off to them, and they so they'd set this up independently, completely unknown to me. So I remember one day when I was thinking about this and thinking about oh I should do a podcast, and I came across the Facebook page and went oh someone's doing it, but. I realised that what I was doing is a, was a little bit different yeah. because people were speculating on, on that and great, we, we love that. We all love to speculate about the case. But I was going to investigate it mm. properly and that was slightly different. So what I did, I, I approached Neil, who runs it, and said, look, I could create a Facebook page for the podcast, but I don't want to because you've already got 400 people yeah. on this. Uh, why do you mind if I talk about the podcast and uh, promote the podcast, make people aware of the podcast, yeah. increase the awareness through the Facebook page, and then there's just one one space for it all. And he goes, "Yeah, do it, great, love it." And uh, so, rather than creating a different one that would split that community, I kind of jumped in with both feet. And a lot of people think I run the Facebook page, and I don't. And I'm always I'm always keen to point out to people, "No, it ain't me running it." But they could kick me off if they wanted to. But, but it's all part of the big community. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. I think it feels very collegiate in that respect. Oh, it is. It's massively collegiate. I mean, it's... Uh, we get... Uh, I get loads of... I mean, I, get, I was saying to you earlier, I get about eight emails a day, which I love, you know. All from everywhere. Mm. You know, Honolulu, everywhere. New Zealand. Saying, oh, have you thought about this? And, to be honest, 70% of the stuff, yeah, I have thought about, obviously. But 30% of you think, oh... That's a, that's a good point, um, and and so that, so it's, 
it's positive, you know, it definitely guides the perfect example it just happened recently. So I got an email from a lady in Holland who is and one of we talked about it potentially from being Czech or Eastern <laughs> origin. You know, one of the places that I've really got my sights on is Czechoslovakia because there's a lot going on in sixty eight in Czechoslovakia, the Russians evaded a lot of Czechoslovak refugees. Was he a Czechoslovak refugee? So I get his contact from from lady uh, and Magdalena, and she says, "Look, I've got access because she's a reporter as well. I've got access to the Czech Secret Service archives." Right, I haven't got that. No, not, and I'll never not, get that. not in Burton. And I'll never get that. No, not in Burton. <laughs> and uh, and if I did, I wouldn't be able to understand it. So so yeah, in you come to the inner circle, and um, because there's a there's there's three or four people that you know we're having daily. When I say daily, I mean four or five times a day mm. chat with about the case. So that's the little engine room of it, and now Magdalene is doing the the essentially uh, European aspect of it. So people people get involved and and there's no it's an open door you know people have got an interesting perspective on things we'll we're all over them they end up fighting us off not the other way around <laughs> oh give it a rest Ken. <laughs> but but no it's the, the beauty of it and i think one of the absolute uniquenesses of it is this community aspect of it well, you just don't get that with most uh, no podcasts. no and, I, and as i say i think it's a i think it's a real as I say, it, it, it sets it apart from, you know, you say you're in the top 2% in terms of listeners. 99.9% .9 of podcasts in this area are, you know, you stand above them. So. Well, that's nice that, of you to say that's that. That's all right. I just wanted to embarrass you. <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> I love compliment. But but it's, uh, no, it, it, it is. And, and no one foresaw what it would become. Because it's all been incremental. Yeah. It's not, it didn't happen overnight. You know, there's 39 episodes of it. Uh it's just slowly, and this thing's what happens. It they get momentum and and people pass it on to other people. Have you heard this? And you know. what was the point with it where you thought, "Hey, this isn't this is taken on more of a life than I thought it was going to." I mean, what was the point for you when you thought? Probably at about episode ten, because uh, the first episode was probably listened to about fifty people. Mm. I mean. It wasn't listened to by big numbers at all, and and, uh, and then I got feedback because most of those people I knew, you know, I'd said, "Oh, I've done a podcast." I want you clever kind of thing. I'll oh, have a listen to it, and then people, oh, this is quite, oh, this is all right actually, and then they'd listen to more, and then suddenly by when we got to about episode ten, there was about because one of the measures of podcast success, mm. it's a difficult thing to measure, is uh, how many people listen to an episode in the first week of its release and we quickly got to about a thousand which is a lot uh, i.e. if you get to a thousand podcast listens in the first week uh, you're in the top five percent podcast that's ever been and which is, sounds ridiculous it sounds ridiculously small number but but it it's true and we got to a thousand in the first week after about 10 episodes I thought bloody hell this is and I'm then I'm getting all this feedback and yeah. getting all these emails from all over the from you know all over the world and then then we get I think we got featured in something 
I think unbeknownst to none of this, because I don't market it. No. I don't, I'm not sending emails to, to people. I haven't got time for that. So it's, it, it's all word of mouth. And, but then we got featured somewhere in America. And, uh, and then I had an interview with some guys from uh, a podcast called Crawl Space, mm. which is quite a big... Like, here's me. I don't know the space. I don't know the podcaster at all. I just thought they were two blokes. And then I look at the figures and it's like hundreds of thousands of listeners now. So, uh, so I do this interview with these guys from Crawl Space, Tim and Joe. Could be. Something like John. Uh, something like that. Uh, lovely people. Lovely, lovely people. And we, we have a proper hour on it, you know. And after that, of course, they release that and then suddenly there's another big yeah. tranche. You know, and, and, it, and it's just, every time we put one out, it just goes up a bit more and up a bit more. It grows about 20% every episode. It's crazy. But, you know, no, we haven't solved it. But, you know, I think people feel there's a chance and they want to be in there when it does. Right. They want to be there and they want to be say, they want to say, I, I had a hand in that. And a lot of people have had a hand in this. It's not all me. No. There's a, probably 200 people who have said something, done something, gone somewhere, found something, even if it's an address, even if it's a te telephone number, even if it's a, a news article from 1968 about mm. Matthew James Jackson, who's another character. That's, they've had a, they've played their role in it, you know? And, and there's a lot of people who've played their role in it now. A lot of people are going to have to work out who's going to play them in the film. Well, who's going to play you? Because I know Paddy Constantine's from... Is that yeah, Constantine? Constantine. Yeah, he's from Burton. Now, I know you're not from Burton. Oh, Paddy's, Paddy's a big big fan. Is he? He's a big fan. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak for Paddy, but... I know Paddy, I've met Paddy. And uh, <laughs> it's a funny story, actually. Uh, I was in the pub in Repton with the missus, with the wife. And uh, I knew someone had told me and and I I won't say who oh well Paddy Constantine's a big fan he's been just doing this big Game of Thrones thing mm. you know he's been doing the, what, the House of Dragon and he listens to it when he's not filming I mean this is mental this is mental isn't it it's yeah. crazy and because uh, you know he's me sat in Derby typing away this mm. stupid script for the podcast and he's listening to it so he's anyway I'm in this pub I'm in the, I'm in the bull's head in Repton and with a wife and something to eat and uh, and my daughter's there she nudges me she says bloody hell Paddy Considine Paddy Considine sat over there and I said well I should go and say hello and I thought well, he's with his agent or something <laughs> you know because he's he's a, he's, a, he's a proper he's, he's a big deal he's a big star now he's a big big star and uh, anyway you know I'm, I've never been backward at coming forward mm. so uh I was just getting up to leave, so I said, I'll go talk to him. So what, I got up and I said, uh, Paddy, <laughs> like, who are you? Kind of thing. And I said, um, just the name Fred the Head mean anything to you? And he kind of stopped and looked at me. And you thought, someone's been having me on. Yeah, that would be terrible <laughs> if he said no. Uh, and he said, yeah, why? And he says, well, Ken Davis. And he was like, Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, it was great. And I said, oh. "I said you'll play. You know you're playing him. You, you, you know, tell your agent. Yeah. When we make this film, it's you. You're playing it because you're a Windsor lad, and it's based in Windsor. And 
you know, you 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 do what you want with it, but you're in it. And uh, we had a great old matter, and he was uh, he's, he's he's really cool about it actually. Really, and when someone like that says, "Hey, you're doing a great job," yeah, you go. Well, that's not the man, you? You know. Did you go up in your kids' estimations at that point? No, no, take more than that. I've always been really. What do your family make of it all? Um, they take the piss out of me about it. You know, you never get. Kind you're of, a dad. Yeah, you never get. Oh my god, aren't you? You don't want that either. My wife's never listened to a single episode. I admire her for that. She never listened to a single episode. And I say, why haven't you listened to this one? Because I hear it live. Because she does hear me recording it. Uh, oh, I thought you meant you, you just talk about it constantly. I don't. Feels like. I don't. I don't. I'd get shut down real quick if I was talking about Fred all day. All day. Um, so, uh, no, that's just to keep me, keep my, keep me, you know, level. Uh, no, the kids just take the piss out of it. Yeah. My daughter's got a poster in a in a uh, in her room it's like a like a mystery poster and it says the mysterious case of no one giving a shit <laughs> and that's kind of that's where you're at isn't where it? I'm at family wise and hey great because you know that's how it should be keeps you on the level keeps you yeah because uh, I didn't you know I'm not used to it you know, I, I, and people don't recognise me in the street. Because this is one thing I've, I wondered. Do you, are you in the butchers in Burton and someone doesn't know who you are but they recognise your voice? No. Uh, the voice, though, is a thing. Because uh, I didn't know... Uh, I didn't know I had, I had a good voice radio or a good voice podcast at all. Uh, it's just been my voice. It's my, uh, there's no reason to think anything. I just, well, you've got a good voice for a podcast. It's no different. And... But when I talk, because I, I do get to talk to people quite a lot now mm. involved in it, and they say, oh, you sound just like you sound on the podcast. I said, well, there's a reason. I will do. I will, you know. Uh, but people do like it. I don't know why. I think they find it reassuring, comforting. You know, I, 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 I'm quite good at explaining things. Yeah. I think I am quite good at explaining things. But I think people just, so many people fall asleep to it. The number of people said, oh, I fell asleep to you last night. It's a bit awkward. Yeah. Uh, when it's a bloke. And uh, it's uh, it's it's awkward. And But people do. And people, you know, I do send people off to sleep and then they wake up and they have to pick up the last 30 minutes of the podcast. Do you, uh, falling asleep to it, how often do you dream about Fred? Never. Really? Never. One of the thing, weird things is my missus said to me, she said, you know, you've got this weird relationship with a dead person. Yeah. You've, I have got a weird relationship with a dead person. And... Uh, she said one time he'll 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 come to you in the middle of the night. No words, and he never has, never has. I've never because I I'm, I'm a bit flaky about stuff. Like that. I'm a bit. Uh, well, you've spoken to a psychic about it. Yeah, yeah, I did, and uh, well, that was funny because uh, when he left, uh, we were sat in this office just down the road from here, and there was this huge noise came out of one of the end of the corridor. I jumped a mile, but it's I've never been a believer in that stuff. Uh, I think I think you approached it very professionally. Oh bless you! <laughs> uh, no, I mean I, I've just not been a believer, and, and that doesn't mean uh, I'm right. It just means you know uh, I don't worry about it, and, and therefore I've never been worried that on a dark night when I'm somewhere on my own, yeah. Fred will come through the door and say, with his head under his arm, yeah, head under his arm, saying, "Let me tell you what happened." I wish he would. Mm. To be honest, I wish he would tell me what happened. 
uh, imagine difficult to record that but it's it's no I, 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 I've never uh, whilst I know that I've got this weird I have developed this weird relationship with a dead man uh, it's never caused me any and I thought it might I thought it might I thought it, it's a weird thing to get invested yeah. in you know I thought it, it I thought I'd I would be dreaming about him. I thought I would be worrying about him. That you know, the, ooh, that's a weird shape at the end of the bed. Because uh, a lot of it was during lockdown. Yeah, a lot. So of there's the, this kind of odd thing going on as yeah, well. Yeah, a lot of it was. And hey, you know, I professionally I run events and run big events around the world. So I wasn't doing that in lockdown. I am now, and that makes it tricky. But uh, that was uh, that was a great space to do that, and a lot of people developed things didn't they talents yeah. they never thought they had yeah. during lockdown this just gave me a load of time to devote to to doing a lot of work on this case and it paid dividends because not only was that a lot of time for me to devote to that people out were at a loose end you know they wanted to listen to stuff uh, and that that's what probably boosted the boosted the listening figures up, mm. you know at that time but you know happy to say that that kind of continued but I think that key bit of maybe a year and a half where everyone was it was doing nothing yeah probably was a was massively beneficial to it you obviously get inundated with people saying have you thought about this you thought about that i wouldn't say inundated that's not the word i mean i i'm grateful for every one of them uh it's it's uh it's part of it that i didn't foresee mm. that, that i'd spend half an hour every day replying but i'm great I'm pleased you know if, if no one was sending me stuff it wouldn't be it wouldn't be successful you know? does that kind of out don't want to say scrutiny does that keep you honest does it keep you on mess on not on message on task do you think yeah it probably does I mean I've I've, I've always been quite good at that of, of and this is one of the reasons why we had this weird it's live it's a it's a it's an investigation that's taking place before your ears mm and actually 99% of podcasts aren't like that you know if they're investigative let's say you know Death in Ice Valley yeah cl classic uh, that wasn't open ended they knew they'd recorded all two yeah. of those episodes before they before they released them uh, that was never the intention of this this was always going to be open ended and this is always going to be followers on the investigation and, and participate yeah. in the investigation Uh now that puts a lot of pressure on which I don't mind uh, because that does keep me honest so I know every three or four weeks it's got to be another episode yeah hella high water if I've got to sit there till three in the morning uh, I've got to produce an episode and I can't produce an episode that simply says nothing happened this month yeah see you next month can't do that fortunately there are always things happening fortunately I've got people who are working on it with me so, I mean, Joe, for example, who's, yeah. uh, he, he does a lot of our research. I mean, she's she's on it all the time. I mean, she's obsessed with it. Uh, I get, I, I could show you four emails today about it, of stuff she's looking mm. at and stuff. Uh, so there's a, it's 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 very much a kind of a a joint effort in that sense. I get the credit because I'm the one who records it, yeah. really, and and writes the script and does all that and the voice. Uh, 
but it's, it's it's a massive joint effort, and, and and it wouldn't be wouldn't be fair to say it was me. It's not, and and that takes, and that means that the the decision to uh, make sure there's a podcast every three or four weeks is is manageable. Uh, now you know we've got another podcast called the Gentleman at Harry Land. Yes, that's uh, that's really tricky to fit in. Really tricky because. You know, there's only 24 hours in a day, and I, well, use, I, think you, I use every one of them. Yeah, because did you say somewhere that you thought you thought you were cheating on Fred? Yeah, I did. I first started doing that. I mean, it's an interesting, it's a really interesting case, and, and it's, uh, and in many ways, it's, it deserves, it deserves a, you know, someone to, to pick it up and do more with it than we've done. When we, it was, it's an amazing case in its own right. You know, yeah. We solve Canada's oldest missing persons case in episode two. I mean, you can't make that stuff up, you know. <laughs> um, by accident, you know, and nothing to do with gen- the gentleman. Well, kind of nothing to do with the gentleman, but it's not him. But in as a byproduct of producing that podcast, we actually solve a real case. Hmm. Uh, I never saw that coming when, when we started. Well, you, you're, I think you're, are you a chemist by trade? Yeah, that's what I did. Because yeah. I think that's one of the things that comes through in how you approach it, how you approach all of the, you know, all of the work that you do, it's like, we've got a hypothesis. Yeah. We'll test it. Yeah. Look at the data, come to a conclusion. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's, that's the only way I can do it. And, and it's, uh, that does mean that it's, uh, sometimes, you know, we spend quite a lot of time on things that people don't like that particular hypothesis. There's, there's an example of that. You know, there's a guy who came to me again, part of the, Mr. A. Yeah. The whole Mr. A story. And that's not gone away. And, and, you know, I've not put much on the podcast about it recently because there's other things I wanted to. Because this is a to. this is a confession. This is a confession of someone by proxy in Burton that is his uncle did it. You know, you can't ignore that. You just can't ignore it. And this guy's been to the police and all this kind of stuff. So, when someone presents you with that, you don't say, "Oh, that's interesting." Something else. You've got to you've got to do your due diligence and go through that in really significant detail and, and, and we did and some people said I don't believe that story so therefore you shouldn't be spending time on it uh, I don't care really you know I get to choose that's one of the benefits of, of me running the podcast I do what I do and, and if someone has made that kind of confession you know that could be the shortcut to the answer and if I have to take six episodes or five episodes finding out whether that's a shortcut to the answer I'm going to take them because you know we it's 50 year old this case you know not everyone's going to be around in 10 years time who can help us you know, we've need, we need to we need to move it as fast as we can now has that revealed the answer no is that still in my mind in terms of potentially being part of the answer definitely definitely uh, so so it's it's it, it, it is one of those things that you have to take some there has to be some kind of uh, methodology you can't just do it without some kind of systematic approach and I have got a systematic approach to that and I have to everyone else and, and that does help yeah. and it helps because if things don't reach a certain level of provability then you say okay maybe you've not. got your, your your kind of your framework that you, yeah, you, you, have have lens, you have to have one that you're yeah you have to have one but especially when you're doing an investigation you're doing it like if you were suddenly uh, in a parallel universe, the 
detective inspector who was given this case to solve, how would you go about it? I'm going about it as if that had happened. So, you know, in a parallel universe, Ken Davis is a detective inspector in Burton Police Force, and he can do this again. You can you can investigate this case again. You can track down all the all the the, the characters because they've never done that. The real police have never done that. Australian talk to people in the Frank Cummins doors. They've never done that. You know, so and they haven't really done anything. No. So so yeah, that's the way I approach it, for better or worse. Because you you talked about death in Ice Valley before. Yeah. And I think there's you know there's when I think about that and I think about the Summerton Man yeah. and yeah. Who put Bella in the witch elm? Yeah. Now, Summerton Man has sort of been solved, kind of. but all all of those, into them there was this story of espionage. Yeah. And there's an edge of that. There's too. an edge of that to this. Yeah, there is clearly. Uh, part of it's about Frank and what Frank got up to before he came to England. There's, I mean, if we can believe Zoe, his daughter, who he told an awful lot of stuff to, there's no reason not to because I've heard it from someone else now. So I mean that. The recollections of Zoe Cunn have been the same recollections that have been told to me by someone else who knew him. So you know, he, he was saying these things. Uh, but some of the things he comes up with, because he was in the. He was Hungarian, he was fighting yeah. for the Germans, and uh, he, got, he got found by the Russians. Uh, generally, bad things happened if you were found by the Russians and you'd be fighting for the Germans. Not, nothing good. But somehow, he, he managed to travel around the world on Russian papers and then end up in Burton. So, and he used to have this tiny little camera that he used to take him and take pictures. I mean, it's James Bond, but he ends up in Burton. And, and so there's an edge of that. Yeah. And there's an edge, you know, one of the things, there's a lot, there's a lot happening in Eastern Europe and Central Europe in the mid-60s. It's not, not like now, you know, it was the coldest part of the Cold yeah. War. People got killed and everyone who got killed got killed in little places like Burton and there's a man killed in Burton and and done very professionally in the sense of it doesn't look like there's no wounds so I know when I spoke to the, the scenes of crimes officer who dug him out he said to me this is a assassination you know this is this is someone who's been who's been kind of killed on demand kind of thing uh, not an accident or not a not a passion killing there's no, there's no wounds there's nothing the reason he was stripped of all his clothing just in a way like the Summerton Man thing where all the labels yeah out, it's to it's to minimize the chances of identification that's typical of a uh, of an espionage type killing. So it has elements of that to it. Now, whether that's the way it ends up, we don't know. But it's certainly, we've discovered yeah. that that's got an aspect to it. Yeah. I think because it's a world that n nobody really knows about, it allows it, it lends itself to a mystery, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And hey, you know, with 39 episodes, there'll be at least another 39 before we solve this no one's coming to me next Thursday and saying no I did it I don't think that's going to happen did you think when you started that you'd have had it nailed down by now no you knew this was a I knew it was this a, wasn't the thing you were going to it was a, this wasn't a this year's wasn't a ten, this wasn't a 10 episode thing no because the police have had 50 years you know 52 years now and they've not solved it so 
why should some upstart who's never done anything like this before be able to solve it in a year? Doesn't make sense. So, no, I always knew it was going to be massive, a mammoth exercise. I didn't realise how mammoth it was going to be until I got quite as deeply into it. When mm. I realised, oh, Frank Cunn, Zoe Cunn, and all Matthew James Jackson, all these kind of characters were around who were probably not up to any good. Just explain who Matthew James Jackson is. <sighs> Matthew James Jackson. In as, you know, without. Yeah, Matthew James Jackson is, is an odd character. Uh, the reason I found him, and again, this is the kind of, police, the kind of stuff the police should have been doing and didn't do. Frank Corn lives in 126 Newton Road, Newton Solney, Winter, yeah. right next to the mill, right next to the deposition site. He leaves in September 69. One of the things I've done many times now is go through sheets and sheets and sheets of newspapers uh, about the old Burton Mail time and I've literally gone through 67 to 71 you know I know every sheet of it and there's millions of them I spot in 1970 a man going missing called Matthew James Jackson in 1970 I think well could be could be Fred every missing man that I find you know the alarm bells are ringing and I think, ah, oh, Matthew James Jackson, where's he go missing from? He goes missing from Frank's old house six months after Frank's <laughs> left. In a hurry. In a hurry. And I think, what's going on here? Because he's not recorded as living there. So Matthew James Jackson suddenly becomes a man of interest. So I then start to dig into Matthew James Jackson and realise his wife, a lady called Velia, is still alive. And she lives in Skegness. So I ring Velia, who's this 90-year-old Italian woman, Velia Tirabassi, she used to be, Velia Jackson, and say, and ring her up out of the blue, and I, this is all very outside everyone's comfort zone, to ring an old lady and say, look, you don't know me, my name's Ken Davis. Can you tell me about Matthew James Jackson? And then she tells me the story of Matthew James Jackson, or certainly her recollections, and it's not... It's not pretty. He's not it? a good guy. He's not a good guy. And I think, you know, talk about Zoe. Mm. Velia is another one of those people yeah. who, you you know, is such, has such, got such a, a, an evocative story. Amazing story. I, could, I wish I could do a podcast about Velia Jackson, you know. It's, uh, and she is, and the interesting thing about that is that we kind of connect, me and Velia, I don't know why. Mm. And, she pours her heart out, doesn't she, in terms of this story? Yeah. What what he did to her and stuff. And suddenly I'm thinking, well, Matthew James Jackson goes missing in nineteen seventy. He's he's not a nice guy, you know, he's been in a lot of trouble. Was he in some way connected yeah. to the body? So and time will tell on that you know we're still digging away on that and and the other one Anthony Hardy who's the, uh, everyone's favourite local serial killer he's a serial killer and he and he's there and you know Winslow's not a big place so he was kind of he went to Burton Grammar yeah and he was kind of 18, 19 yeah, 18 and 17 at the time goes to London Imperial College a very very bright lad uh, ends up killing loads of women uh, in London, uh, Camden Ripper, they called him. I mean, it's, I mean, what I didn't foresee when we started this uh, this journey was 
it'd be end up like an Agatha Christie mystery where you've got at least four or five people yeah. who could have killed him. At least. And I can probably think of six people who could have killed him. Uh, and he may have been killed by someone I don't even know yet. So it really is an Agatha, a real-life Agatha Christie mystery. And it has got that kind of locked room aspect to it as well because it's such a tiny place. Yeah. No one can get access to that. No one knows that little place where he's killed or found. And uh, that's what makes it great. In the best traditions of Agatha Christie, we've got an enthusiastic amateur who's bumbling around the edges with respect and and kind of... I'm Miss Marple, Yeah, I am Miss Marple. Are you the thorn in the side of Staffordshire Police? Am I thorn in the side of Staffordshire Police? Uh, No, I don't think so. Uh, It's not been... I've kept him informed Mm. with where we are. Uh, I don't get a lot back. I'll be honest, I'll get a lot of that. I mean, there's no... I mean, they'd be embarrassed if some bloke from around the corner solved it. Yeah. So I can, I can get that. Uh, I'm disappointed they're not they're not doing more than they are. And there's no reason why they don't do isotopic analysis on, on the score. Because that... Just explain that, just to... Well, isotopic analysis is a, is a uh, you know, chemical process whereby because our bones take in different isotopes of different elements depending on where we live uh, it's possible to take teeth from uh, any individual that's died and see what isotopes are are present in Mm. those teeth and from that you can deduce with a fair degree of accuracy where they came from in the world so you would expect uh, someone in Burton to be, because in 1968 it was a it's a monoculture, you know. Very, very, very few people in Burton who aren't from where where Anglo-Saxon. Uh, but you know, if they did that and they found ah, this person's from Hungary or this person's from Czechoslovakia, we'd be able to narrow it down much more. But it would require it requires them to do something on that. Uh, it's the obvious thing to do because isotopic analysis gets used on lots and lots and lots of different uh, cases to positive effect. Uh, but they. Uh, but they decided a long time not to do it a long time ago not to do it and no intention to doing it anymore because so. the, the Fred's body is buried buried now so did they, I mean if they they'd have to and the skull's buried with yeah. him yeah so so they'd have to uh, disinter the belt of the body but you know that's not the first time anything like that's ever happened if they were serious about solving it you'd yeah do it. you know if I if I had the funds to do it I'd do it if I had permission to it uh but uh, they don't seem to be, you know, interested in doing it. So, you know, I can't do anything about that. That's no, I just have to, you know, crack on as if, uh, as if I'm doing it. So and, and uh, so, you know, yeah, I'm disappointed with what, what what they haven't done. They've got mitochondrial DNA, uh, but that needs a match. So, yeah. And in the UK, we can't, uh, we can't use genealogy sites for that. So uh, it needs me to find someone. I found someone called Alan Smith. Test him against the mitochondrial. It's a confirmation yeah, tool, as a, much as a if it's a match, tool. we found him. Uh, so, so I see my job as finding someone who is familiarly related to Fred mm. that I can say to the police, "I found this person. I think they're familiarly related to Fred. Test the DNA against them, and hope hope it's a positive." Do you, have you? Um, do you know where the name Fred came from? 
Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's black humour from the police. Because you know, mm. they kept his head in a box in Staffordshire, in Staffordshire Police, in, in, I think in Burton's Police Station, for years. And uh, so he became known as Fred the Head because he was just, that was the head that was left. Uh, so, you know, that's just police black yeah. humour. And that's, that's how he became known. And, and, uh, and the thing is, if you talk about him in any other way, people don't know who he is because everybody knows him as Fred the Head. Yeah. And, of course, you know, when I'm doing a... It's, when I'm doing a podcast and when I'm thinking of a title for a podcast, for example, it's a great... It's, it's alliterative. A, it's, it's a great little title, isn't it? Yeah. So I wasn't about to say the mysterious case of the man that they found in Windsor in 1971. Fred the Head is... Fred the Head's Fred the Head. And uh, everybody knows him now. It is. I think, it, I think you've said it. You know, it's one of these cases in Burton that people want to know the answer to. Um, much wider than that, though. I mean, yeah, it started off in Burton. It's surprising how, how few people in Burton knew the case, though, when I started. Uh, because it happened in 71, because it's uh, it's not in the news every five minutes. It normally gets, you know, in Burton Mail once every five years or so. Uh, but relatively few new pe people knew about it. And when I've spoken to people, I thought, oh my God, I didn't know that happened. Well, you know, it did happen. But there was always there's always been a core of people who did. Yeah. And of course, you know, the people like Kim and Neil who, who started the Facebook page, because you know, they wanted to get some uh, some outcome to this. But obviously, you know, with everything we're doing, and you know, I've been in the paper a few times. There's a lot more interest around, uh, certainly around Burton. And mm. Of course, there's a lot more interest around the world. Now. I mean, there really is. I mean, Fred the Head is known everywhere now. So, you know, bless him. I hope he likes that. <laughs> you know, everybody's looking down, thinking, "Oh my God, I'm famous." Someone cares. Do you? Is that? Um, I mean, I guess as well. It, you know, that puts it in the position where, um, you know. You said it yourself. The police may all but almost be a little bit embarrassed that the progress you've made. I don't know. I've no idea. I have no idea if they're, if they're even aware of it. No idea if they're even aware of it. Uh, you know, I, I contacted the 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 guy who runs the police force in Staffordshire. Yeah. You know, the police commissioner. He, he is aware of it now because I I told him about it. I took really I went to him to get these uh, isotopic analysis done. But uh, yeah, I mean. I just see it as a completely independent investigation for the mm. police. You know, they won't give us any help. You know, why should they? And uh, we just got to carry on as if that doesn't exist. Then we just got to find our own solutions, really. There's, there's characters in it. There's also places in it. There's mm. the is it called the Magic Attic? Yeah. Which seems I, I thought don't... that was a nightclub. Sounds like a nightclub. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, what's this? Is, seems to be like this room of requirements that you can it's go amazing. in. It's amazing. It's like something like Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is, it's got all the Burton males going back to about 1920. Mm. And lots of stuff about companies. So, for example, if I was looking into Greensmith's Mill, this mill where this uh, this body, close to where this body was found, I can go and find out everything I want to know about Greensmith's Mill. Some things I can't find. I wish I could find out who was working there in 1968. But uh, it's got all these, it's got all these newspapers. So if I want to go and spend one afternoon looking through the Burton Mail for 1969, I can do that, and which is an amazing thing. Yeah, it's an amazing thing, and and uh, it's a great place. And they know me as the Fred bloke now, and and uh, but quite often, if I've got a spare afternoon, which isn't very very often, 
I'll, I'll be found there just going through just to see if I've not missed anything because mm. you know, somewhere in that time period in fact you know one day soon I've got to go back and look at everything that was happening in 68 because it's an amazing record yeah of, of you know big newspaper every day on Burton they cover everything somewhere somewhere in those archives Fred will be in there somewhere I'm sure or something to do with it mm. I haven't quite found it. I've had a lot of stuff in there, but I haven't found that key to it yet. I don't Do you think is there a, a kind of line of inquiry you've gone down and you've invested so much time in it, and then come to the end and thought, I really thought that was something that it wasn't. Uh, uh, nothing I've given up on, in the sense of, I mean, even the Mister A stuff and. Uh, I wish I could, I wish I could uh, corroborate that more. Uh, I do because that could be the key to it. Uh, so there's nothing I regret going down, or no, nothing I, I've gone spent a load of time on. I thought, what a waste of time that was. Or maybe you just have frustration that no, that doesn't, that doesn't no. I honestly see it as picking up a thousand stones on the beach, hmm. and you know, if I have to pick a. It doesn't, it's just a stone and I just put the stone back and say okay it wasn't that I mean it, there will be a thousand of them and but one of them we pick up will be the yeah. right one and so just picking up a, th a stone is uh, just takes me closer to the one it doesn't bother me it doesn't I've got infinite patience on this and I know listeners don't always have infinite patience no. why should they uh, but I have so if it takes me 15 years to do it I don't care I don't care so I'll still be doing it, you know, episode 733 of Fred the Head, uh, until we find it. I think it's one thing that you've been very clear about throughout is that you're on this journey with me, mm. and if we... I'm not hiding stuff from you. There's things I can't share because I don't really know where this is going. Yeah, and there are things that I know that... that or there are things in my head that it's not ready, it's not time yet to reveal. Mm. And I don't mean I'm doing that because I want to uh, uh, mislead anyone. It, it's just that it, it's not ready. It's not got enough supportive evidence to for me to put it on the podcast and sound that this is... I don't want to waste the, the listeners' time. Mm. I don't want to just do anything with... Uh, if it's not supported by something, I think could make it yeah. interest. Well, that's the scientist again, isn't it? You know, yeah. you want to you want to come to you want to have analysed the data and then have a conclusion to. Well, I, I want to be. I don't necessarily need an endpoint, but what I do need is is be confident that there's a that this is just isn't. A, I mean, there's been a million just kind of things that no, no, no. I mean, a million ideas people have had. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. And they've never made the podcast. There's a million things they've mm. made the podcast. Uh, so this podcast is the tip of an iceberg. There's a load of stuff under mm. there that is going, no. Oh, let's have a look at that for two days. No. And we don't even bother people with it. So there's a kind of a, a level or a line which which in ideas have to get beyond in order for them to make it to the podcast. Because mm. we'd just be wasting people's time. So, uh, and there are a few of them that, that, are, that, are, that are definitely bubbling away that we'll get to the podcast when we've can, I've got a story that we can introduce that and stuff that may well be relevant to it about other characters who are around at the time very good well thank you for your time
It was at this point that, as the interview was wrapping up, I decided to ask Ken a question which has got no relevance at all to the case of Fred the Head. And in advance of you hearing the answer to it and me posing the question, you really need to understand that Ken supports AFC Wrexham. I've got one more question to ask. Yeah. Um, I noticed that on... So the podcast started on the... Was it February 2021? 2020. 2020. Oh, 2021. You're yeah. Right, podcast, and yeah. I think a week before, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McAnally announced their purchase of... Wrexham. Wrexham. Yeah. If it was promotion <laughs> or Fred the Head, what's it going to be? Uh, Fred the Head. Fred the Head. 100%, yeah. And we will get promoted anyway. Okay. Uh, but, but you know, f- no. And, and I don't... Uh, I won't have any influence on whether Wrexham get promoted... But I, uh, but but this is what I've been put on this earth to do. Almost, you know, yeah. the red thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Found me. Yeah, I didn't find him, and uh, I've got, I take it really seriously in terms of sort of. No one else is going to do it, are they? Let's be honest. No, no one else is going to do it. So, uh, you know, it's my. Uh, it, it, although you know, I discovered it at the age of about fifty-seven. It probably end up being my life's work. You know what I mean? When mm. I, when, when I. Uh, when I have a headstone made in yeah. about 25 years' time, it will say, he found Fred. That's all I want. Ken Davis, he found Fred. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. Thank you, Ken. Cheers. <laughs> Pleasure, mate. Great.